This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. How to plant a shrub. A tea break tutorial with me, Alan Titchmarsh. Hello and welcome to the first in a brand new Gardener's World magazine podcast series exploring some of the key issues that incense and inspire gardeners. These are handy expert guides to some of the topics and techniques the team at Gardener's World are asked about time and time again. Cuttings, tomatoes, pests, 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 blooming blight, composting, to name but a few. In this exclusive series, I'm going to talk about some of these big questions and share with you my practical, no-nonsense solution. I'll lead you, not down the garden path, but to a more successful, hopefully less stressful approach to tackling common garden woes and getting the garden of your dreams. I want to help you to have more time enjoying the fruits and flowers of your labours and less time actually labouring. season of mists and mellow fruitfulness as John Keats so memorably described it for gardeners the poet could also have added the season to plant shrubs no it doesn't quite scan so well does it really not quite so romantic as mellow fruitfulness but you know since way back when gardeners have planted deciduous shrubs and trees those are the ones that lose their leaves in winter, when they were dormant. So it sort of minimalised any ill effects of being moved. And in the UK, this generally means between November 
and March. If they're transplanted in spring and summer when they're in full leaf, plants are far more likely to suffer a shock to their system. They get dehydrated and most likely die. But back then, before the 1960s and the arrival of container-grown stock, container-grown plants, most, if not all, shrubs were sold bare root. So what does bare root mean? Well, it means they're dug up from nursery rows and things like roses. We're talking deciduous shrubs here, those that lose their leaves, rather than evergreens, which tend to have a more fibrous root system. And they're generally sold root balls, with a bit of sacking holding some of those roots together. And they're usually transplanted evergreens in late summer, early autumn, that's September or April. It's really the deciduous ones that lose their leaves that are transplanted between November and March. And they can be dug up with virtually nothing clinging to the roots, provided they're not too elderly. I always think that transplanting trees in particular is rather like people moving house. Children tend to do it without a backward glance when they're young. Old age pensioners are a bit more resistant to it. And I speak as one of the latter. So always try and get a plant, if you are moving a plant in that dormant period, that isn't too old, that you think has got enough wherewithal and enough youth on its side to re-establish it without suffering too much. Larger plants that need to be moved need a bit more preparation before they're dug up unceremoniously and just forced to move house. But in the swinging 60s, I mean, gardeners were offered trees and shrubs growing in, in large containers. They were often old catering tins, you know. I remember a lot of shrubs in the 60s came in tins of tomatoes. They'd taken the tomatoes out before they put the compost and the plant in. But it was a novel thing. It came from the States. And they had an established root system that had been grown in that container, which meant they could be transplanted at any time of year. We're so used to it now, aren't we? Buying everything in containers and planting it whenever we want. And the result back in the 60s was a, a dwindling of the bare root market in favour of container-grown plants. I mean, the advantages were obvious, weren't they? You could buy what you want, when you wanted, and plant it where you wanted it to grow. Uh, a nurseryman then could sell shrubs right the way through the year rather than in that narrow autumn and winter planting window. Well, the pot-grown plant market exploded and that meant that people tended to forget that they could plant bare root shrubs. It also meant they forgot that bare root things were generally less expensive because they hadn't been cosseted and coaxed in containers. I do remember that first image when I was an apprentice gardener of seeing plants growing in these tomato tins, and it seemed really very strange. Uh, could they only be grown in tomato tins, do you think? Or could, could we try them in any other kind of container? Seems laughable now, doesn't it, really? But you did tend to think that when you first saw them. But these bare root plants, still available from nurseries, uh, and they're always less expensive, they're always cheaper. Growing them is less work, they don't need so much feeding and watering because they've got a free root run in the nursery soil, and they're more adaptable. I mean, like kids really, they're, they're less liable to suffer, 
and complain than a 70-year-old who's moved when it's too old. All you have to do is plant them well and plant them correctly. Give them every chance of survival and then they will. In today's tea break tutorial, I'm going to talk you through techniques to give your bare-rooted shrubs the best start in life, or rather, in your garden. We'll cover germination and propagation in a separate podcast. So, sit back, relax, and listen. As always, you can find links to information, grow guides, videos, and so on, on the podcast pages. No need to scrabble for a pencil or take notes. First of all, choose your shrubs. What do we mean by shrubs and which ones are suitable for bare root planting versus containerized shrubs? I mean, are are there any not suitable for bare root planting? Well, a shrub is is a woody plant as opposed to an herbaceous perennial uh, which lasts for many years but which dies down every winter to an underground overwintering rootstock. Shrubs, and here I'm dealing with deciduous ones, the ones that lose their leaves, they have a woody framework which persists year on year and which, generally speaking, grows slightly larger. And most of those which form a relatively fibrous root system are suitable for transplanting. There are one or two that form very fleshy roots. I'm thinking in particular of magnolias. They don't like their fleshy roots to be broken or disturbed too much. So things like magnolias, I would always plant from a container. That way they're likely to get going much more readily than those which have been dug up from nursery rows or bare ground, bare root. They're likely to take several years to get over the shock and only then will they begin flowering again. But things like azaleas, which are deciduous rhododendrons. They have a fairly fibrous root system and tend to be wrapped in hessian to transport them. Others don't even need that. One of the easiest things to plant bare root are roses. You'd be astonished at how little root they need clinging to them, and the long ones can always be trimmed back to just survive. They have this capacity to grow in spite of the gardener rather than because of us. What do you look for in a good bare root plant? Well, a decent array of branches, a good spread of branches. You don't want something that's lopsided and only got one. Sometimes, if you're buying by mail order, obviously, you have to take a chance and hope that the grower that you're buying from has got a good reputation and sends out good, well-branched plants. That you can discover by looking at websites and finding out if somebody's rated well. But then when something comes, if it's not in a good state when it arrives, do not be afraid to let the grower know. They should be able to change it. And also it should reach you in good condition, not having been stuck in some shed somewhere for days on end waiting to be delivered. It needs to be fresh. So when it arrives, check to see what condition it's in straight away. And before you do anything else, stick its roots in the bucket of water just to make sure they haven't dried out too much. If it's got a reasonable number of well-spaced branches and a reasonable root framework, then you're in with a very, very good chance of getting it to grow away well. Of my favourites for buying bare roots, certainly roses are there at top of the list. 
Then come fruit trees. They will also get away really well planted bare root. And thirdly, and most importantly, because they're much more reasonably priced, hedging plants. If you're making a hedge, for goodness sake, don't feel you've got to make it from container-ground plants. Far too expensive. Loads of hedging plants, deciduous hedging plants, hawthorn, blackthorn, wild roses, maple, field maple, all will be sold bare root and they will seldom have any problem in getting away. So the planting time is between November and March and the plant is dormant. Does planting time vary? It can. Generally speaking, plant them as soon as you can after they've been lifted in November. Get them into the ground quickly. But if you're on very heavy clay, it's sometimes worth waiting a little while before they're lifted and then planting at the end of the bare root season in March rather than earlier in November, where they're sitting in cold, soggy clay up in the north and the west of England. So use your local knowledge to find out from local gardeners. Always ask, when's the best time up here to plant bare root trees and shrubs? They'll tell you. It's always a good idea. Sometimes we're far too chary about showing our ignorance about a certain subject. Local gardeners are almost always helpful, so do ask. Once they've arrived, as I say, put them in a bucket of water so those roots don't dry out and then get to work planting them as soon as you possibly can. If they have very long and straggly roots, snip them back. You don't need any roots longer than four inches. That's plenty. New roots and new root hairs will grow once you've planted them. You'll need a spade to take out a trench. If you're making a hedge, don't dig the holes individually. Take out a trench where they're going to be planted. If you're planting a single rose bush, then obviously a single hole. Make sure you prepare the soil well. Work in plenty of homemade compost or bags of well-rotted manure to give them every single chance you can of growing away well. You can now buy little bags of mycorrhizal fungi. All trees and shrubs have a relationship with soil-borne fungi, and it's a very important relationship we've discovered relatively recently. Mycorrhiza is something they work with in the ground. You can buy bags of it now to sprinkle around the edge of the hole. Make sure the roots are in contact with it when you plant and they just help them get away that little bit easier particularly things like roses so the thing to do is to make sure the hole is well prepared it's the right depth that the roots are moist having stuck them in that bucket of water overnight and that when you plant you plant to the same depth as the plant was growing in the nursery. Now, there is a slight exception here, as far as I'm concerned, with roses. If you can see a soil mark on the stem and the graft union where the variety of rose meets the rootstock, because roses never grow on their own roots, they grow on a rootstock. Why are they grown on rootstocks? Not all varieties can make strong root systems, and by budding them, that is, joining a variety to a rootstock of proven vigour, you can make sure that the variety itself will survive because it's using the vigour of the rootstock. You can take cuttings of roses if they're varieties which do grow well on their own roots and you can take pencil long cuttings in autumn and they will then grow on their own roots but a lot of roses won't. The roots are too weak so by planting budded roses on a rootstock you know that you're going to get a decent vigorous plant. If you can see that sort of knobbly thumb-like piece where the two are attached 
Plant so that that sits just below soil level. It means you will encourage scion rooting, that is the variety, to produce roots at the bottoms of the stems as well as those on the rootstock. You'll get more stability and a healthier, more well-anchored plant. So roses always plant that little bit deeper so the rootstock is just underneath the ground, that graft union. Then they're well watered in, they're firmed with your foot and give them a bit of a mulch, a, you know, two-inch layer of well-rotted garden compost or manure on the surface of the soil. After planting, when it comes to attending to the growth above ground, don't leave too much of it on. Always snip at least a third of the growth off, whether it's a rose or any other deciduous shrub. That way, you'll make sure that the plant which has been uprooted doesn't have to support more top growth than its roots are capable of doing. And also, it will then concentrate the plant's effort into that stem that's left. So do snip off a bit of top growth just to give it a bit more chance of survival. I'm sometimes asked, particularly with trees which are planted on their own, what shape should the hole be? Well, we always used to dig round holes and then there came this fad for square holes. Can I just say that when a root meets some soil, it doesn't have a protractor with it. It doesn't know what shape the hole is. Just dig a hole that is plenty large enough to accommodate those roots that you've pruned back and then it will grow. If you're on very heavy clay, don't incorporate too much organic matter. If you do, it can turn the hole into a sump that collects water, which is why firming after planting is very important. And apart from planting roses slightly deeper, always plant to the same depth as the plant was growing in the nursery. And you'll see the soil mark on the stem. Fertiliser, I wouldn't bother with it at that stage. That can come later when the plant starts to grow. It's what the soil feels like that's important at planting time. And make sure, unless the soil is really soggy, that you almost always water it in. It settles the particles of soil around the roots and make sure that there's no chance of them drying out. If you don't already make your own compost and you want to learn how, why not listen to my Gardener's World Tea Break tutorial, How to Make Compost, available as part of your premium content. Aftercare for bare root planted shrubs is relatively simple. Just make sure they don't dry out. And then, as the shoots grow the following spring, if you do need to shape the plant and encourage it to bush out, just nipping out the shoot tips will do that for you. And then, with any luck, the plants will grow away really well and you'll congratulate yourself on having saved yourself a heck of a lot of cash. The most common mistake made, well, that's allowing the things to dry out or keeping them in the sack for too long before you plant. So act quickly as soon as those plants arrive. And if they arrive in poor condition, remember to make your feelings known to the supplier. They will most often replace them straight away and free of charge. There you go. 
All done. Follow those simple steps and you'll have a new bare-rooted shrub snugly ensconced in your garden. Good planting is one of the key skills, if not the key skill in the garden. They always used to say, spend as much on the whole as on the plant. Master the technique and don't speed through or skip any of the steps. And your plans and your planting will reward you with a vigorous performance and a long life. And your wallet will thank you too. Remember, bare root shrubs cost a fraction of the price of their container-grown cousins. They're hardier, they take less effort to look after. And if you need a lot of shrubs, if you're planting a hedge, for example, using bare root plants will save you a fortune and repay your initial effort in spades. So now's the time to get out there and get digging. Till the next time from me, Alan Titchmarsh, whatever the weather, enjoy your garden. You've been listening to Tea Break Tutorials with me, Alan Titchmarsh, produced by Lucy Ditchmont for BBC Gardener's World magazine 